0: Welcome to the Women Leaders in Global Health podcast with myself, Almeen Wolfart Ellison. As a newly qualified doctor, Soko Moses risked his life to stay behind and help with the 2014 Ebola outbreak in Liberia. Shortly afterwards, he came to the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, where he completed a master's degree in the control of infectious diseases. Soka is now busy with a doctoral degree in public health and he wants to strengthen health systems in Africa in order to prevent future outbreaks. Welcome Soka and thank you for speaking with us today. During the Ebola outbreak, you worked side by side with your colleagues in terrible circumstances. What did you learn about the women you worked with?
1: These women were real phenomenal people. Although there is real no-sex difference between males and females when it came to risk of of vulnerability, when it came to becoming infected uh, with Ebola, the vulnerabilities women face socially and culturally were far huge than what men faced. Ninety percent of our nurses are women, and the majority of the doctors are also females. They have to first be there to provide care for, for the patients be able to prevent themselves from becoming occupationally infected while at the same time being able to provide care for their families and prevent their families from becoming infected. When women became infected, it means the entire care of families were compromised. So on the front line, women were in majority to take the bullets to deal with the most infectious patients to provide care for these children to provide care for women and also as midwives in the hospitals to provide care for women needing reproductive care. That was real, a big challenge for women during the outbreak That was really different from the way men faced the outbreak or men were affected with the outbreak. The president of Liberia was a female, the first female elected uh, uh, president in, in Africa, and she was on the front line talking directly to health workers, motivating them and encouraging them to stay put, to ensure that we all fight together to end the outbreak.
0: Does Liberia have a more inclusive society as far as women are concerned?
1: Liberia has been working to create a more inclusive society, but there are many, many fundamental challenges that remain that we still have to address. Less women are educated and there are still issues around uh, violence against women. These are the kind of challenges that women face. We know from our experience that when women are in leadership, they do far better than men. Their output is better. They create a more inclusive and more democratic society. But we need to do more to empower women to be able to to educate them, to strengthen them, to compete within our political systems, our health systems, so that they take on leadership roles.
0: Do you think men need to be educated as part of this effort to empower women?
1: You cannot leave men out of this process because uh, most of the leaders are men. So, if you want to change the system, you need to educate men so that men are able to create opportunities to bring more women on board. While at the same time doing that, you need to educate the women, empower the women, and strengthen the women so that they be able to take on leadership roles and perform their roles adequately, effectively, and efficiently.
0: You speak very passionately about women working in healthcare and in health leadership. Why does this matter so much to you?
1: I've had some opportunities that I believe what many other people have not had. I've had an opportunity from childhood to grow in a home that was dominated by women. My father had to leave home and travel to the capital city to gain education and I had to stay uh, back in the village with my grandmother, my mother and my siblings. My grandmother was very, very strong. Her husband had died a couple of years earlier and then so she had to be there to provide for the family. So leadership, she was very strong in making decisions, and she did not show any disparity between girls and boys. We all went to the farms together. We all ran after the animals. We did the household chores and so forth. I've worked with colleagues during the Ebola outbreak from other parts of the world, and I've also had an opportunity to gain some education at the London School of Hygiene, where gender equality is prioritized is talk about openly in conversations among friends, in having dinner, in our refectory, In the courses we do, we talk about the issues around health and how they affect women and how they affect men. And then once you hear all these kinds of things, you you have to bring that back home. You have to understand that, hey, this is the way to go. If we want to improve our systems, we need to prioritize care for women. We need to put women in leadership because gender equality is a human right issue. If the genders have to be equal, leadership has to be equal also. We need to have equal men and women making decisions that affect issues that matter to us, that matter to our health.
0: What are you hoping to achieve at the Women Leaders in Global Health Conference?
1: What I want to do is to let everybody know that issues about health affect women most. And decision makers should be people affected by issues on which decisions have to be made. And this message has to go ahead, and we need to not just say it. We need to say this at the Global Health Conference, but we need to take this message home. This message has to be perpetuated in our society. So what I want to do at the, at the women Leadership and Global Health Conference is to tell people that back in Africa, issues around health affect women, most and we need to give women opportunities to participate in leadership because we know that when women are leaders, they do better. They make better leaders. Leadership is more effective. There's less competition. There's more efficiency. And there's more democracy. We saw that during our Ebola outbreak with our president, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, and our minister of health, Dr. Bernice Stan, and then many other nurses. They were standing on the front line with us. And they were working, they were equally capable, they were equally competent, and their decisions were very, very good. They were good policy decisions. There's no reason why we cannot give them the opportunity to lead.
0: Thank you very much for speaking with us, Dr. Sokamosis. The conference is being live-streamed, so please visit our website, www.wlghconference.org. You can follow us using the hashtag WLGH18. Goodbye.